Over the past two years, nothing has governed the minds and spirits of Haitians like the gang situation in Haiti. Hunger, poverty, business, healthcare, education, it is all touched by the massive explosion in gang violence that we've all seen. When we talk about gang violence, we are really talking about Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince, the teeming capital of 2.6 million, is the center of all things Haiti. The seat of government, the primary port, the headquarters of almost all businesses. But it is also the cancerous core of the gang problem that is sweeping the nation. Violence has grown from the slums along its shore to devour every part of the capital, now making the metastatic leap to the smaller cities of Lekai, St. Mark, Capetian, and beyond. We did a series last year on how the gang problem started, called Anatomy of a Crisis. But it's worth taking a moment to discuss the current situation today. When Americans, or even Haitian Americans, try to understand the gang crisis in Haiti, there is a dizzying array of gang leaders and territories that seem hopelessly confusing. I know, I lived it. And there's really no official news reporting on this. Most information is spread by word of mouth or by gang propaganda videos on YouTube. But it's important to understand. First, if you work in Haiti with a humanitarian organization, knowing where the gangs are placed is a matter of life or death. But second, for those of you who don't work in Haiti, this can give you an idea of how instability in Haiti or elsewhere can strangle a city. We're going to take a few episodes to describe where the situation is currently. And I'm going to warn you, without a map, it's going to be very hard to understand. So I'm going to do this one a little bit differently. On the episode description, you can click on a link that will bring you to maps of Port-au-Prince with the approximate positions of different gangs. And maybe even better, I'm going to include in the description a link to a video describing all of this with a map. Even before you listen to this podcast, it might be helpful to watch that video. And lastly, before we get started, I want to give you a brief disclaimer. All of this news is liable to change. Battle lines shift daily, and new gang alliances are formed and broken. Our goal here is to paint with broad strokes, so forgive us for any small errors. In an episode last year, we spoke about Jimmy Cherizier, also known as Barbecue. Over the past five years, he has risen to be the most powerful crime boss in downtown Port-au-Prince. If you're going to do any story about the gangs of Haiti, you need to tell his biography. Jimmy was born in 1976 or 1977. It's not totally clear, but this would make him around 45. He's of middling height. He says that he got his nickname Barbecue because there were several Jimmys in the neighborhood where he grew up, but his mother was a barbecue cook, and so he became Jimmy Barbecue. Later, this was just shortened simply to Barbecue. Now, if you talk to others, they would suggest that he got the moniker because he has a penchant for burning people. The truth is that both may be true. And before we move on, it's important to say he's not a stupid man. He went to the police academy and speaks fluent French, something of a rarity in Haiti, where only 5% of the population can say that. Many gang leaders never went to school, and a lot of them have been living on the street since their youth. Not so for him. After academy, he joined a special forces unit in the Haitian police force. And this was all he was for a long time, up until he was nearly 40. The world had never heard his name until late 2017 during an infamous police raid. His unit was working in tandem with the United Nations peacekeepers in a particularly gang-ridden area of southern Haiti, named Grand Ravine. 
They were initially sent on an anti-gang mission, which apparently proceeded without issue. However, a number of the gang members had holed up in a large school campus. Barbecue led his squad, without telling the UN, into the school grounds. At gunpoint, several school employees were forced to hide the gang members from the police. As the raid went on, two of Barbecue's officers were shot. And in the moments after, it came out that some of these employees had been forced to hide the gangsters. When Barbecue and his colleagues learned this, they proceeded to execute at point-blank range the security guard, a professor, and seven other innocent bystanders. None of the gang members were captured. Following this event, Barbecue's status with the police starts to become very nebulous. And this was the first glimpse that the world received of Barbecue's ire. It wouldn't have to wait long for another. By 2018, Barbecue had left the life of policing and had consolidated power in a downtown area called Delma 6. Delma is a large area that stretches all the way across Metro Port-au-Prince. It stretches from number 6, down by the wharves, all the way to 75 on the opposite side of the city. And so he built his power base close to the port. By this time, he had allied himself with other gang members in the downtown region and port areas. He also developed cozy relationships with the local government and the national government. He allied with his friend, T. Jr., who had a slice of territory in the juicy slum of La Saline. This was a neighborhood not far from Barbecue's territory that was well-positioned next to an open-air market that could be taxed by whichever gang ruled the area. The problem was that T. Jr. had a slice, only a slice, and another rival had most of the land. They needed to do something. In the early hours of the day, on November 13, 2018, Barbecue rolled into the rival zone with T. Jr. and their respective gang members. The rival gangsters fled immediately. The scene was chaotic. But it really should have ended there. Instead, Barbecue and T. Jr. proceeded to go house to house, raping and killing the women and children with connections to the enemy gang. At the end of the day, up to 71 civilians were dead, their corpses burned by the gang and transported to the city dump. And then the real scandal began. A local government official showed up to the scene and reportedly became angry with Barbecue, asking him why he killed so many. He said this wasn't supposed to be that bloody. And I think this is key to understanding Barbecue. After the latest massacre, Barbecue became an international pariah. He was sanctioned by other countries, even the United States. An arrest warrant was put out in Haiti. But this is just what was said publicly. In reality, Barbecue is widely regarded as pro-government by most Haitians. We can at least say that that's the perception. But let me delve for a moment into the swirling world of rumors. He's a former police officer with continued close ties to the force. In Haiti, it's really hard to draw straight, permanent lines when it comes to gangs. They switch sides with the winds and opportunity. But broadly, broadly, there are two types of gangs. Those that are pro-government and those that are pro-opposition. Now, what does pro-government mean? Well, it depends on who you talk to. It could mean anything from being allied to the police and small politicians, all the way up to the prime minister and president. I'm not going to pretend to know the little details because none of this ever ends up in print. And why would the government ally with gangs? Well, the government is just not strong enough to fight against them. They're perpetually outgunned. The police have to make common cause with certain groups in order to have enough firepower to attack the other gangs. And there's really a scale of evil when it comes to crime bosses. They're all brutal. They all murder and burn people. But some of them, the good ones if you can say that, primarily rule their area and provide security that the government cannot. 
In theory, the government wants to ally with this type in order to attack the truly disorderly groups. In the years after the massacre, barbecue started to coalesce allies. As we look at Port-au-Prince proper, there's a crucial corridor that runs along the sea. It starts just south of the seat of government and runs north to Cité Soleil. It holds most of the major slums in Port-au-Prince. Going from south to north, you pass Matisson, Village de Dieu, La Saline, Delmas 6, Cité Soleil, and many other poor neighborhoods in between. Each has its own gang to protect and extort the area. These slums have power. First, they're close to the former National Palace and all government buildings of downtown Port-au-Prince. By intimidation and violence, they can control national politics. They also control the port of the city, which gives them a hand on the valve of gasoline and most goods that flow into Haiti. These slums together also hold an immense amount of votes. And democracy is really an illusion in the slums of Haiti. The politicians make a deal with the local gang leader, and the gang leader then tells the population in the area who to vote for. If you don't vote accordingly, you can imagine what happens. Barbecue eliminated enemy after enemy. And finally, in June 2020, he announced, to great fanfare, the creation of G9. It's named in the same style as the G8 Organization of Nations. This became a federation, a loose coalition of gang leaders. It stretched from Crisla in Matisson through most of the downtown gangs all the way up to Chinmechon in Quadibouquet. The idea, at least as Barbecue portrayed it, was to create an alliance of gangs that wanted to impose some semblance of order in the capital. Roughly, if you look at the map, there are three primary enemies to G9. There is Tilapli, whose name means Little Rain, to the south. He actually joined G9 for a time, but then quickly revolted again. In the north, in Quadibouquet, there is Katsun Maozo. And then, and this pertains more to today's talk, there is T. Gabriel in Cité Soleil. Just as an aside, for those that aren't Creole speakers, T just means little in the sense of little John or little Bow Wow. So T. Gabriel just means little Gabriel. It's worth camping out for a moment on Cité Soleil. Cité Soleil is by some counts the largest slum in the Western Hemisphere. If you talk to a non-Haitian, it's the one that most people will have heard of. It was initially created in the 1970s to house workers for the country's sugar and garment factories by the port. Poor people from the countryside flocked to the area down by the water to find work. Temporary, flimsy homes were built helter-skelter. Unfortunately, in the 1990s, as Haiti was sanctioned by the international community, most of these factories shut down, but the people stayed. The population today is probably somewhere around 250,000 people, very destitute. Cité Soleil is sometimes a difficult concept to nail down because there is a small core area of Cité Soleil, but the name of the commune for much of the waterfront area of Port-au-Prince is also called Cité Soleil, incorporating many of those little neighborhoods I've already mentioned. This confusion between a commune and a neighborhood often causes problems for me in understanding the geography of Haiti. But in regards to the core neighborhoods of Cité Soleil, you largely have three different zones, conveniently named after some American cities. You have Brooklyn, Boston, and Belacou. Boston and Belacou are held by G9 gang leaders, allied to barbecue. Brooklyn, the poorest and most sprawling section, is ruled by T. Gabriel. He is decidedly anti-G9 and anti-government. As you will see, over and over, Violence most flares up in the brackish water between rival factions, 
where you have two groups on opposing sides, you will see violence. In some ways, I think of Barbecue like the cartel leader in the movie Sicario. For those of you that haven't seen it, the plot is that the U.S. government is moving into Juarez, Mexico to kill all the gang leaders and institute one single leader to stop the fighting. The idea behind it is that if you have just one cartel leader who can be somewhat controlled by the government, it would be better than having 10 different warring factions. Looked at in the best light, this appears to be the government's plan with barbecue. And honestly, in a situation this terrible, who am I to say that this is not the best strategy? However, there have been pockets of resistance to this complete takeover. Where we hear of violence is generally in those areas. Cité Soleil, Quaribouquet, Matissan. And this whole delicate operation was turned upside down in July 2021 with the assassination of Haiti's president, Jovenel Moise. Was Moise involved with Barbecue personally? No one really knows. But at the very least, Barbecue was linked with his political party. Now that a new government is in power, it's still not totally clear whose side everyone is on. And to make matters more complicated, the current prime minister, Ariel Henry, is implicated in the assassination of the prior president. In the initial aftermath of the killing, Barbecue announced that he would pursue a revolution against the new government. In November, he and his gang blocked the ports for over a month, cutting off gasoline to the country unless the government started paying him. Until nearly Christmas, Haiti had no fuel, no electricity. Finally, Barbecue relented. So did the new government pay him? Make peace with him? It's unclear. All I can say is that since then, Barbecue has not created any trouble. In the next two episodes, we're going to continue burrowing into the world of Port-au-Prince. Next week, we'll look closely at the south side of the city, the crucial pass of Marcisson. And in the last episode, we're going to talk about North Port-au-Prince, Quadibouquet, home to the most feared of all gangs, Katsun Maozo. But as we finish, we need to keep in our mind that it is easy to draw out the gangs on a map and study their motives, to try to understand them. But there is a broader narrative at play. Each of these gang areas represents thousands of people who are suffering in unimaginable ways. Lack of food, health care, opportunity. Children terrified, growing up hearing gunshots constantly throughout the night. I know, I talk to them often. It is, over and beyond everything, a great human tragedy unfolding before our eyes. <laughs>